Welcome back, everybody. It's that time again. That's right. It's F-Tag Friday on Cosmic Soup. So thanks for joining us today as we continue on our mission to venture into the unknown and explore the unsolved mysteries of the fabled F-Tags. And as always, with me here in the Cosmic F-Tag Soup is licensed nursing home administrator, registered dietitian, and VP of Health Services for 3rd Plus and culinary coach, Randy Sater. Hey, Randy, welcome back to the soup. Honored to have you here as always. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, well, this F-tag thing is going pretty dang well, if I do say so myself. (laughs) What do we have on the show today? I think we're going to talk about a few F-tags, right? We are. We're going to talk about like four of them today. Oh so, my God, four. Uh, yeah, it's a lot, but uh, they're kind of like a little bit related. So I thought, well, let's talk about all these um, at the same time. It's 804 through 807 today. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so break these down for us. What exactly is uh, the content of said F tags today? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, the nutritive value of, um, you know, what needs to be uh, in your menus and the food that you serve um, in terms of those requirements. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, foods and, you know, the mechanically altered or special diets and then some allergies and things like that and also hydration okay. today. Yeah. Well, since there's so much of this, um, I'm just going to turn this over to you and uh, let you kind of uh, run loose with this stuff. Absolutely. So, you know, in an F804, so the first area is is concerned with the methods of storage and preparation used in the community to make sure that, you know, the food stays um, nutritive, that there's no nutritive value lost during, um, yeah, again, the storage and preparation. So, um, the community has to then offer the resident food that is is pre- prepared with, you know, using methods that conserve that nutritive value, flavor and appearance, which is important, I think, because uh, we don't want to, again, serve substandard food that doesn't look appetizing. So this means that the community has to um ensure that during cooking that it's not compromised or destroyed due to like prolonged food storage or light and air exposure. So that means having the food sit out for a long time before it gets served or uh, cooking food. Like, you know, if you, you've probably seen this, Mike, that when you cook food in large volumes of water, it loses the flavor profile. So, and that includes too, holding food in a steam table for a length of time. Can I so, rant for a second, Randy? Can yes, I, can I please. just, can I, okay. All right. Everybody listen up. Cause this just, it just blows my mind. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a kitchen and they have these really, really super like $15,000, $20,000 combi ovens and somebody is cooking green beans uh, at eight o'clock in the morning that they're going to serve at <laughs> dinner because they're so afraid they're going to fall behind on their day. They got to cook all their stuff in the morning. Stop it. Um, it's just, I, yeah. I, I don't even understand the mentality behind it. Or, or for instance, somebody will put a chicken breast um, in there and they'll cook it for like 12 hours or they'll leave stuff out on the counter or in the restaurant business, we call it like, you know, we all know what heat lamp fries are or heat lamp <laughs> bacon, right? Stuff mm-hmm. just gets sometimes prepared far too far in advance or it just sits around for so long. And then, yeah, or 
some of these old school institutional methods of, for instance, boiling green beans until they just turn into a pile of brown mush, yeah. you're degrading not only the quality and aesthetic uh, taste of the foods, but you're losing straight up nutrients. And as far as storage goes, yeah, I mean, I walk into a, a walk-in freezer and there's boxes that are just open and the contents are exposed and they're dried out and they're nasty or they're just not stored in the proper vessels or, you know, things like fish will be left in their plastic bags and not put on ice. Just all kinds of stuff that I see. I can't imagine not getting F-tag violations on this stuff. Yeah, and, and that is so disappointing. So it's kind of like, if you think about it, if we don't want to eat it, why Ugh. would our residents want to eat that? Yeah, <laughs> and, but you know, I, I approach it, of course, as a chef from the aesthetic value, but really in terms of these particular F-tags, there, there is, I mean, a loss of nutrients that's associated with basically mishandling of product. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then, oh, and let's talk about the temperatures too. So we want to serve food that is at the right temperature. We don't want to serve food that's cold when it's supposed to be hot, vice versa. So, and that also is part of that guidance is that you have to make sure the temperatures are up to par uh, because otherwise it's not going to taste good. And then also it could be unsafe. Yeah. Yeah. Foodborne illness and, and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Man, I just, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just keep thinking about like <laughs> stuff on a steam table for like nine hours, uh, turning colors and, uh, you know, uh, otherwise delicious food is just, is just bad. And, and that's again, one of the things the stuff will sit out in steam wells or in serving vessels, not at the proper temperature. So, yeah. um, uh, again, a very common thing that I am just shocked more places aren't getting uh, served F-tag violations for yeah. because I know it happens. I've seen it and I've called mm -hmm. it out more times than I want to admit. So Exactly. Um, I have too. And it's like, you would just want to say, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, what are you doing? Yes, All right. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, and, and, and another thing too, that really bothers me is that, you know, like I know that in, um, in the communities, we want to make sure that the residents are not spilling coffee, for example, you know, this talk, we're related this to temperature. Um, we don't want them to to get burns because if they spill hot coffee, we know they can get burned. But at the same time, we don't want to serve them cold foodie, cold food, uh, coffee either. We don't want to do that. And um, uh, a lot of communities have gone to that extent where they're serving coffee at 150 degrees in order to make sure that the residents, just in case they spill, won't get burned. And I think that's awful because if I'm drinking coffee, I mean, yes, once I'll have a, an iced coffee from time to time, but that's different. I want to make sure that my coffee is hot. Yeah. And uh, so, so that too has a lot to do with palatability, and and um, and you know, it may not be a, a you know foodborne illness issue, but again, this is more um, you know the, the dignity, right? It's dignity. I'm like, serve me a dignified cup of coffee. That yeah. is hot. <laughs> hey guys, it's not rocket science. It's coffee. Um, now, granted, yeah. I have seen people, I mean, we've all heard the infamous McDonald's $8 million lawsuit coffee. And that coffee yeah. was at like 225 degrees or some absurd number. You don't do that. But I mean, you no. know, a hot cup of coffee, you know, if you have concerns, serve it in a, a proper vessel, maybe let it uh, let it yes. cool down a little bit before the resident gets their hands on it. But uh, right. 
and I get it. I mean, there is a legitimate fear of of injury, or there is a legitimate fear of legalities. But uh, I mean, these these are super basic skills that should not require this level of of attention. And sadly, yeah. because there are violations now, we have mm-hmm. we have these F tags. So, well, let's move on then to the next F tag. Yes. So uh, the F805 refers to then the special diets, food in the the form to meet individual needs is is how it's worded. And, um, you know, that just refers to then we need to make sure we serve food that is uh, safe to chew and swallow for the residents. So if they're uh, having a you know a lesser ability to to chew and swallow than we to make we need to make those modifications. So um, basically, it also includes um, then rest. I mean, surveyors coming in and they will look at uh, you know what you are serving. Is it is it safe? Uh, has the resident been assessed? for their abilities to chew and, and uh, swallow. And they're making observations to, to make sure that they're receiving the correct type of food. And um, in terms of, you know, the mechanically altered and, um, and you know, even the therapeutic diets as well. So I, I would assume that uh, as a relative noob to this industry myself, the, uh, the dysphagia, dysphagia diet, mm-hmm. I assume, is, is specifically one that is a, a challenging one to make sure that you adhere to, correct? It is. It can be very, very challenging. And you're right. I mean, a lot of the residents um, receive the modified diet textures uh, based on, you know, dental issues, memory loss. They may have had a stroke. Uh, they may have had you know, ear, nose, and throat cancers. So then they have an inability to to swallow properly. So then they would get what we call dysphagia, which means, dif- you know, difficulty swallowing, um, you know, a type of diet in order to make sure that then they can um, consume food in a safe manner. So yeah. that's what it means. Mm-hmm. But it still needs to be nutritious and delicious uh, and prepared to the best skill set possible. It does. It has to still be eye appealing and be tasty. So, and I know that uh, sometimes maybe dining staff don't want to taste their own food when they're making it, but I think it's important and or if not crucial to, to taste your dysphagia diets to make sure they have the, the you know, correct uh, amount of, of spice, you know, not hot spice, of course, but the seasonings and uh, also the presentation that it looks attractive on the plate. Man, the scoop and plop, it's a thing. And uh, we, need to, <laughs> we need to make some more, some more efforts to, you know, make the food look appealing for sure. Um, but, you know, something that I think a lot of people don't think about is that those people that can't chew or that they can't swallow properly, um, that doesn't mean that they're not people and that they don't have taste buds and that they don't still want to get what enjoyment out of their food they could. So uh, this particular F tag really covers the fact that uh, this needs to happen in the appropriate fashion. It does. And also um, another another area of it is, um, you know, when, it, when we, we talk about special diets is, you know, finger food. So oh, if someone, yeah. yeah, has memory loss and they have uh, forgotten how to use a knife and a fork, then we need to accommodate that, you know, different stages of dementia. They do, um, you know, 
um, require uh, different levels of assistance. So finger foods then would definitely be uh, a way to go because then they can be on the go and eat at the same time. And that's perfectly okay in the senior living community. I mean, if if your mom um, doesn't want to sit down and, and finish a, a meal within 20 minutes, she wants to walk around and look at things in, at the same time, let's accommodate that to make sure then that she gets the, the adequate nutrition that she needs. And that's not necessarily saying, because I, I incorrectly assumed at one point that, you know, when we're talking about finger foods or, or things that have been basically manipulated into a different sense, you don't have to create an entirely different menu item out of it, you can just modify an existing kind of a thing. So let's say that you have, you know, I don't know, like a chicken breast, for instance, it can't be cut up with a knife and fork, but you can cut that chicken breast into strips that can be held by hand or, you know, have, have variants of those foods. Um, so that from a dignity standpoint, they're still getting the same food as everyone else. It's just in a different form for them. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. So moving on, uh, yeah. I think what, 806? Is that where we're, see guys, we're cruising through these F tags, <laughs> settle down, it's okay. Yes, absolutely. 806 is, uh, talks about uh, resident allergies, preferences, and substitutes. So um, we, of course, need to make sure that nobody receives something they're not supposed to have, right? right. So uh, talks about that, even like intolerances and then the preferences as well as the allergies. Allergies. So we are responsible, well, in the community, of uh, being aware of of what they're allergic to, for example, and then providing appropriate alternatives. So, and uh, the food alternative then also has to be consistent with you know usual food items provided by the community. So again, they should not be receiving something completely different from what the rest of the residents are receiving. So. If a resident doesn't like or uh, is allergic to orange juice, for example, then they can substitute another type of a juice um, that it contains vitamin C and that is perfectly uh, okay then because that's an appropriate substitute. So uh, whatever you need to do in order to accommodate there is is what's important. You know, I I think that one of the things that I've run into even in the standard restaurant industry is when we talk about like allergies, for instance, or, or not just likes or dislikes, but legitimate reasons why people wouldn't want to eat certain foods, whether or not it's a, a cultural issue or a political issue or an allergy issue or a, you know, a nutrient issue. Sometimes mm-hmm. employees get really irritated. Oh my God, I have another allergy request or, Oh my God, I have this or that. But in, you know, in a skilled nursing environment, this is crucial I mean, yeah. it's always crucial, um, but even more so um, in these particular instances. And and not only should you, because it's the right thing to do, but you are legally obligated to make sure that you go above and beyond to to uh, ensure the the safety of of the residents. I mean, at, at the bare minimum, it's a safety issue sometimes. It definitely is, because can you only imagine if someone gets served something that they're highly allergic to and they have an allergic reaction and, you know, God forbid, they end up almost being close to dying. I mean, that's the worst case scenario, but I want to bring it up because it's real. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to pay attention to these these allergies. And so what what is recommended in the senior living communities is that 
you put the resident on, they have stickers typically in their electronic charts. Like when I say stickers, I mean like an alert. And um, it uh, not only does it say they're allergic to, for example, fish, but it also will have to include what type of reaction is it that they would get? And then what is the intervention? So if you need to have an EpiPen on, on, you know, your med cart or um, something or Benadryl even, um, then that you need to know, the staff needs to know what they're supposed to do just in case there's an allergic reaction. And that can happen at any time. That can happen in the dining room. And, and again, God forbid that happens. But um, again, it's, it's, it's a possibility anywhere you go. It really is. And what's scary about it is sometimes people develop allergies later on that they didn't previously have. And um, as a food service worker myself for years, you have to start tuning yourself to really be aware of the ingredients that are in the products you buy. If you make something from scratch, you have way more control over you know, what's, what's going out on a plate. But if you buy a bunch of prefab food, if you're not familiar with every element that's in that prefab food, um, that can be a whole a whole can of worms. And I think having staff that understands certain elements of food is crucial. If you have people on board that, that aren't aware of what allergens may be present in certain foods, um, you need to make sure that you have that addressed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also, too, um, when we talk about preferences, that there's so many vegetarians now and even vegans. So. Yeah. You have to accommodate that as much as you can. Also, in some communities, um, they require kosher food. And, uh, and are you capable of, of uh, providing that? So that's something you have to ask you before you admit that um, resident as well. You have to um, be prepared at all times to accommodate. Yeah. So multitude of things for sure. I assume that because of the, the, the critical implementation standards of this particular F-tag, is this probably not something you see a ton of violations on, I hope? Uh, not a ton, but uh, I have seen some at oh. times and I've seen people with allergic reactions as well because it starts from the kitchen, right? And they need to know what this person is allergic to right on the meal card. It needs to say absolutely no mushrooms, for example, but I have seen people with allergic reactions because they did receive that allergen. And, um, it's, it's, uh, devastating when it's going on. And thankfully I've never seen anyone pass away because of an allergic reaction, but it's been pretty, uh, upsetting yeah. to, to observe that. And one of the things that, that, yeah, and I always tell, you know, my kitchen staff, um, for instance, like, let's say that you make a dish and it's not supposed to have an ingredient in it, right? And you throw yeah. mushrooms in there, throw tomatoes on there. Guys, you can't just pick that stuff out and call it good. I mean, the, it's, if it's an allergy issue, it's not a matter of just not wanting to eat it. It can't touch stuff. So especially, yeah, exactly. you know, things like shellfish and things like, uh, you know, peanut or, or tree nut allergies are highly toxic to people and even being in proximity to to those elements can create a reaction so if for some reason you make a little tiny boo-boo uh it's no actually it's not a little tiny mm -hmm. boo-boo it's potentially a big boo-boo start yeah. over start over i mean that's the best thing you can yes. do is start over because it's not it's not worth a somebody's life or it's not worth your livelihood because of just a, a simple mistake that happens mistakes do happen you just have to correct them in the proper fashion Absolutely. And then also it's so important to meet with the residents then as soon as they 
admit to your community because then you can discover these types of things that you need to be made aware of from yeah. day one. So even if they are, you know, in the nursing staff, you need to let them know, please, please communicate these allergies to um, the kitchen staff right away so we can be on high alert uh, and uh, make sure that they don't receive those food items. Oof. Enough said yeah. there. Yes. Closing it out, number 807. What do we got? Yeah, so we have drinks available to meet the needs, the preferences, and hydration needs of the residents. So this just quickly talks about um, providing enough water and other liquids consistent with the resident needs and preferences in order then to sufficiently maintain their hydration status. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? You want to make sure that people have enough to drink, or if they're on a fluid restriction, they don't get too much to drink, right? Um, but um, yeah, we want to make sure that uh, they're offered fluids that uh, can help them not develop urinary tract infections or pneumonias or skin breakdown. We know that hydration status is, is so important when they're already compromised coming into a skilled nursing community that, um, you know, we want to just do prevention uh, from the get-go. So that's why it's so important to offer, offer, offer fluids and any shape or form you can imagine. It doesn't just have to be water. It doesn't just have to be juices and things like that. It could be broths, popsicles, or ice cream. So, um, how about margaritas? <laughs> maybe mock margaritas. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I tried. Yeah, you know, what am I gonna Yes. I mean, alcohol too, from time to time, is okay in the senior living community with a doctor's order. You know, a little side note there. Um, but, Disclaimer. Um, yeah, disclaimer. But uh, yeah, yeah, just in, in different forms, even ice cream. So whatever they like. Again, this is why it's so important to meet with a resident or their families. Make sure you get a history. Make sure you, you get their preferences from the get-go so they don't go several days without getting what they like. And then they could potentially end up in a more compromised position if, you, if they don't get that. So that's what this is one. this one is all about. Moral of the story keep them hydrated uh i would think of probably the ones that are some the easier ones to maintain that would be one that you shouldn't have a whole ton of problem with you shouldn't but uh there's there's a lot of residents that come in and they just when you get older you don't have the sense of thirst like you did when you were younger so right. a lot of elderly do not drink enough but sometimes it's a it presents to be a challenge but okay um yeah, it's the community's responsibility to go in and offer on a frequent basis. You know, we usually say when you visit the resident in the room, bring a glass of water with you or whatever that they prefer. So you always have those um, checkpoints where you offer. And that way you can help prevent then dehydration, which, again, as we know, can lead to so many other issues, too. Yeah. So if uh, Mr. Parker doesn't ask for something to drink, that doesn't mean he doesn't need something to drink. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. So offer enough fluids on the tray, offer fluids between meals and with medication pass. Make sure you stand there and wait for them to drink it before you leave their bedside. Um, just different little tricks to, to make sure they get enough. There you go, guys. Proactive yeah. versus reactive. Well, uh, thanks, mm -hmm. Randy. That was yeah. four F tags in a relatively short amount of time, but they did all tie in together. So I'm glad yes. that you uh, 
presented them in a fashion that uh, we could bang a few of these out and uh, let people know kind of how they relate to each other. So looking forward to next FTAG Friday. So uh, thanks again. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Well, that was a whole lot of stuff to throw at y'all at the end of your week, but I've got faith that you took it all in and now it's all second nature, right? Let's be honest, it probably already was because you're that awesome. And we appreciate you taking the time to hang out with us. We've got so much more in store for you in our future installments of FTAG Friday. But for now, relax, go enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk to you soon on Cosmic Soup.